0: Log Talk Radio. Battering ram to the government office. French guys, they get they get a little angry. A group of pro- protesters. <laughs> this is what it says. A group of protesters tried to break into a government information service building in central Paris Monday, as part of a 10,000 strong march against France's social welfare and tax system. There's a little video here. There might be some audio of a buzzing chainsaw.
1: Oh, maybe it is uh, Russian TV, but yeah, it might. Uh, but anyway, uh, Russ said... Uh, I
0: guess when they get mad, they get very angry there.
1: Uh, but anyway, uh, we got a bunch of crazy stuff ourselves here. And uh, one of these things is Netanyahu. For those of you who don't know who Netanyahu is, I'm sure you all do if you listen to the show. But insults the U.S. to their face while taking $8.6 million in aid every single day.
0: He was just here talking to the Congress.
1: Oh, uh, This is from addictinginfo.org. Uh, this is kind of, kind of a crazy thing. a uh, stable and strong Israel, important to the Middle East region. I don't think so. Tell you the truth. Yeah, there a lot of these damn yeah, things that keep popping up there. Yeah. All right. Is a stable and strong Israel important to the Middle Eastern region? Of course it is. <laughs> However, that doesn't mean that we need to agree and bow down to everything that comes out of a reelection hopeful Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's mouth. Well Republicans in Congress can't seem to get enough of the Warhawk Prime Minister and it's certain and it's certain that they wish President Obama was more like him and less like the logically sound, deep thinking, diplomatic chess player and effective leader that he is. You no, know, let's see. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. I don't either. think oh, you know, sometimes I misread these things and, I, you know, and pro, uh you know, addicting info. you know. Yeah. Just let's say they're Obama ass kissers. But you know, aside from being an Obama ass kisser, all right, uh they they may they be right on this issue.
0: Okay. Now it's next uh, no, it spoke in a, it, front of a joint meeting of Congress approached his speech in a very skillfully formulated manner he started by praising president obama this of course got a few democrats to stand up and applaud well played prime minister
1: says uh but uh but so are the widely known uh, rather, he put, he, he, yeah, they they went on this let let's let's get rid of this cuz this is a dipshit article no,
0: i don't years. care for
1: that. i can tell you right now it's a it's
0: well, anyway, I don't, like, I don't like the I'm fact that they get, they yeah. get $8.6 yeah, uh, billion dollars a day or yeah. a million or whatever. No, some
1: right. some people shouldn't write articles at all. But anyway, uh,
0: this one here is
1: more interesting. Uh, the Canadian government just granted big oil companies the right to bomb the Arctic seabed. Can you imagine that? What? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? It's, yeah, it's just, just unbelievable. Uh, a tiny Arctic community is fighting big oil and they need our help. It says, off the coast of Clyde River, Nanuvut, unspoiled Arctic waters are home to 90% of the world's Okay, These unique tusk whales uh, play a crucial role in the aquatic ecosystem and for thousands of years have been a staple of the local Inuit community. But now their very survival is in danger. The Canadian government just granted oil corporations the right to search for drilling sites in the oceans near Clyde River. Offshore drilling is bad enough, but the search is worse. These oil companies will use seismic testing, setting off huge explosions underwater to try and find oil. While all the whales, narwhals, use their hearing to communicate and to find their way safely between the Arctic ice, the search for oil will deafen, disorient, and kill any narwhals, caught in its path. It's up to us to speak up now and stop this This white, while we still can and save the narwhals.
0: The narwhals play a critical role <clears throat> in the Arctic aquatic ecosystem. ecosystem. They are also an important food source for the native Inuit peoples, many of whom rely on subsistence hunting to survive. For generations, big corporations have stripped northern Canada of its natural resources trampling the rights of Native peoples and destroying entire ecosystems for profit. The government has been complicit in this, auctioning off oil and mineral rights to the highest spinner and ignoring the consequences. But until now, the Nawals and the local ecosystems they have support have managed to survive. The people of Clyde River have had enough. They are standing up to the government into big oil and fighting to protect their homes. There are only five, 900 people in Clyde River. They need us to stand up with them. If we act now, we can stop the oil companies in their tracks before the damage is done. You can sign a petition to the government of Canada saying no to big oil wrecking the Arctic Ocean. So This with is, um, yeah, this is, uh,
1: so I, I think it's
0: Greenpeace. ActionSomeOfUs.org. Yeah, action.
1: dot dot And you right.
0: can
1: uh, go to that yeah. article. Yeah. And let's see, it says uh, help protect Canada as well as hospitals. Uh, Greenpeace, Inuit, uh, come together. Uh, yeah. So, like I said, go to action. dot dot Okay. And there's
0: a petition you yeah. can sign. Isn't
1: that so it is It's that dreadful. Yes, it really is. Antarctic sea ice rushes, uh, reaches new record maximum. I thought this was. I fascinating. thought that yeah, yeah, isn't that No, mm-hmm. you know, they, all, they used to talk about global climate change and everything, but yet, you know, uh, this is from NASA.gov, it was a government uh, news site. Um, and that was September nineteenth, twenty fourteen. Yeah, September of
0: last year. On yeah. September ninth, twenty fourteen, the five-day average Antarctic sea ice Extent exceeded 20 million square kilometers for the first time since 1979, according to the National Snow and Ice Data Center. The red line shows the average maximum extent from 1970 to 2014.
1: Sea ice surrounding Antarctica reached a new record event this year, <clears throat> covering more of the southern oceans than it has since scientists began a long-term satellite record to map sea ice extended in the late 70s, 1970s. The upward trend in the Antarctic, however, is only about a third of the magnitude of the rapid loss of sea ice in the Arctic Ocean. Hmm. The new Antarctic sea ice record reflects the diversity and complexity of Earth's environment, said NASA researchers. Claire Parkinson, a senior scientist, NASA's, uh, has referred to changes in sea ice coverage as microcosm of global climate change, well, just as the temperatures in some regions of the planet are colder than average, even in our warming world, our uh, Antarctic uh, sea ice has been increasing and
0: buckling the overall trend for of ice loss. The planet as a whole is doing what was expected in terms of warming. sea ice as a whole is decreasing as expected, but just like with global warning. Not every location with sea ice will have a downward trend in ice extent. Since the late 1970s, the Arctic has lost an average of 20,800 square miles of ice a year. The Antarctic has gained an average of 7,300 square miles. On September 19th this year, for the first time ever since 1979, <coughs> Antarctic sea ice exceeded 7.72 million square miles. The ice extent about this benchmark extent for several days, the average minimum, blah, blah, blah. The single day, Matt, so it's gotten bigger. Yeah, it's gotten a lot bigger. That's what they're showing. But the The Arctic Arctic. is shrinking as the Antarctic is growing. Yeah.
1: So just so you know, that's what's going on. But I thought you would be interested in that. And if you were, you can go to NASA, N A S, N A S A dot gov. Okay? Brought to you by your... uh, uh, government anyway uh this was a very interesting thing uh, it's uh, it's about uh, where the uh pledge of allegiance came from okay the Pledge of allegiance was developed by Francis Bellamy, a socialist who was hired by james b upton upham uh James B. Upham needed a way to sell more issues of his magazine, which was Youth's Companion. The pledge was conceived as a way to promote nationalism in order to sell flags to schools as a premium to solicit subscriptions. (laughs) The recital was accompanied with a salute that was later replaced with a hand over the heart gesture. (laughs) Imagine that? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. As you know. Everything in the United States is uh, done for money. Done for money, and and uh, so is the national anthem. Not anthem, but the Pledge of Allegiance. God. Okay. Uh, yeah, you know. This did scare me a little bit when I read it. Uh, sorry. sorry. Does this, yeah, does this scare you? The ingredients uh, for uh, were found in Similac baby formula. Corn syrup solids, uh forty two percent, seventeen percent, soy protein isolate, high oleic safflower oil, sugar, soy oil, uh, calcium phosphate, uh coconut oil. Uh, yeah, co uh co- coconut no co yeah, cocoa oil, I guess. Uh and alpha oil. Potassium citrate, magnesium chloride, uh metha- acid metham- methanine
0: potassium chloride. Choline
1: chloride, Chlorine ferrous sulfate.
0: That's I
1: don't even know what is. A yeah. Oh, I don't know I if these are all vitamins Zinc or whatever the hell they are. But also contains soy ingredients. No, you know, the problem is, is that soy is is very high in estrogen. And what happens is if you feed this, this is Similac baby flu formula. But if you feed this to your baby boy, he will it will retard his growth. Uh, is uh, of his of his sexual organs.
0: It contains no dairy ingredients. Yeah. It says manufactured on something, manufactured on dairy equipment though. On dairy equipment,
1: but it contains no dairy ingredients. Oh. I
0: wonder if that was always true of Simulac.
1: Probably. Uh, asking America to choose between Jeb Bush and Hillary Clinton is like asking us which do you prefer. An electric chair or a firing squad. <laughs> Mainstream media sponsors boycott. I thought that was funny. So, I find that amusing too. That is very true.
0: Somebody send that to you?
1: Uh, yes, somebody sent it to me, but I don't recall who. Oh, it's from right wing news. Photo. I don't know who sent it. I get I get thousands of these things sent to me every 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 week, and I I I can't
0: I don't know, you know. So they involved. are supporting ISIS just like the U.S. and Israel. It's true, folks. Saudi Arabia, which borders Iraq and is currently controlled by a multi-billion-dollar family, is demanding that U.S. combat troops have boots on the ground against ISIS. But where are the Saudi troops? With the third-largest military budget in the world and an army far larger than ISIS, the Saudi government must accept its responsibility and help lead the fight in their region. Senator Bernie Sanders said this. I
1: agree. I I do, too. Um, Let's see. Three reasons why modern medicine will never cure chronic disease.
0: go out of business.
1: Yeah. Number one. Basically. This is from naturalnews.com. It's a a good article because it really kind of details what's going on here. Reason number one, all right, current sick care system makes money by caring for sick people. Therefore, there's no financial interest in curing disease. Number two, modern medical research is largely funded by the pharmaceutical industry, and why would drug companies want to eradicate disease? And finally, conventionally trained physicians focus on treatments, not cures.
0: Don't become a premature death statistic of Western medicine. On the next Natural News Talk Hour, Jonathan Landsman offers an exclusive interview with Karen Dean author of Death by Modern Medicine, Seeking Safe Solutions. Simply put, if you're suffering chronic disease symptoms and want to eliminate your dependency in prescription medication, don't miss that show. That sounds like it might be very interesting. Anyway, medically
1: induced annual death rates soar to over a million per year. (laughs) Mm -hmm. In just the past 10 years, the number of deaths attributed to Western medicine is truly staggering. In 2003, there were 783,936 deaths in the United States, cost us $282 billion. By 2013, the number of deaths equal 1,095,936, at a cost of $282.85 billion. What makes this so tragic? Well, many of these deaths could be avoided if people understood the dangers associated with vitamins and mineral deficiencies coupled with the threat of toxins in our
0: environment. For example, according to Dr. Dean, magnesium deficiency is a major underlying kingpin in chronic disease because magnesium controls seven to 800 different enzyme systems in the body that are brought to a grinding halt if you don't have enough magnesium. Unfortunately, many physicians simply run medical tests to define a particular health issue and then proceed to prescribe a whole host of hormone supplements and procedures to correct them, without even considering a magnesium deficiency. Of course, switching to more plant-based foods, optimizing vitamin D levels, and avoiding toxic chemicals found in personal care products can go a long way to preventing disease.
1: Hmm. On the next natural news, uh, yeah, what are they discuss. Why mandatory vaccinations will only add to the death toll? The flu flu and measles vaccines um, have gotten lots of attention in the past few months. Pro-vaccine advocates think that vaccines are safe and effective, even though mercury, formaldehyde, and aluminum, plus many other neurotoxic ingredients can be found in each dose. (laughs) Oh, God. Children and adults injected with these poisons have an increased risk of digestive problems, chronic inflammation, brain disorders, and weakened immune function. If you think mercury-free vaccines have no mercury, think again. According to Dr. Dean, the Health Advocacy in the Public Interest um, commissioned a small study to test four vials of different vaccines for mercury content. The vials were sent to, set to heavy metal testing labs um, and uh, called Doctor's Data. And the results showed that all four vaccines contain mercury, even though two of the four companies claimed their vaccines were mercury-free.
0: The Food and Drug Administration, Centers for Disease Control, and many pharmaceutical companies have all been caught lying to the public about safety of the standard medical procedures like vaccines. On the next Natural News Talk, hour you understand why we cannot trust Western medicine. Right.
1: So, anyway... Uh, this is what we're doing. This is what the problem is, folks. You know? And uh, Lila and I don't trust medicine too much anymore. We really don't. So, let's move on. Ah. Uh, now, some children are beginning to, around the world, are vaccinated at gunpoint. And is the U.S. headed in the same direction? This is from the Guardian newspaper. The British paper. It's called Health Impact News.com. Children around the world vaccinated at gunpoint. The US headed in the same direction. The Guardian is reporting that health officials in Pakistan are arresting and throwing into jail hundreds of parents who refuse to allow their children to receive the oral polio vaccine. These health officials are forcing children to receive the vaccine at gunpoint, as can be seen in the photo capture. There's a photo of it. Faroz Shah, a spokesman for the district administration in Peshawar, said uh, 471 people have been imprisoned in the city and surrounding villages under government orders on charges of endangering public security. Parents targeted by Police were not arrested if they agreed to vaccinate their children, um, you know, a senior police officer said in peshwa Authorities have uh, previously made scattered arrests for polio refusals, but such a widespread crackdown is rare. This is the first time that such drastic action was taken, Shar said. This shows the determination of government to eradicate, eradicate polio. Just to
0: emphasize the point, here, there are parents of children who are being rounded up and thrown into jail in Pakistan, not terrorists, not murderers, not thieves, but parents who do not want their children to receive the polio vaccine. As can be seen in the photo above, the oral polio vaccine is being given right on the street and not in a clinic. How many times were these children forced to receive this vaccine? How would the health worker even know the vaccine history of these children? Do they have pre-existing conditions that would make the vaccine a risk to harm them? It would seem such basic basic health questions could not be answered when the order is to vaccine every child by force right on the street with no objections allowed.
1: Is there a polio epidemic in Pakistan? Well, last year, the, uh, polio uh, made headlines news because the World Health Organization declared it was now an epidemic in certain parts of the world and Pakistan was claimed to be an area especially hard hit. As usual, anti-vaccine parents were blamed for this worldwide epidemic. So how bad was the polio epidemic that who declared in 2014? In May of 2014, when they made the announcement, which was carried as headline news in most U.S. mainstream media outlets, there had been 74 cases, in the entire world, uh, 59 of those cases were in Pakistan at the time. Today, as of uh, the writing was 5:25, uh, February 25th, rather, uh, there has been 10 cases so far worldwide. But nine of those are in Pakistan. I could find no cases of any deaths worldwide due to polio in recent years. Mm-hmm. Leading causes of death worldwide, I can't even pronounce that. Ischemic heart disease. is
0: do
1: is ischemic heart disease
0: uh I know what that is.
1: Mm-hmm. stroke uh yeah, 7 million people die of ischemic heart disease. Um stroke 6.2 million. Lower respiratory infections uh, infections yeah, 3.2 million. COPD 3 million. Diarrheal uh diseases 1.9 million. AIDS uh 1.6 million I believe. Um Trachea, Trachea or bronchia, 1.5 longer. million. Yeah. Uh, diabetes, milli- diabetes, 1.4 million. Uh, road injury, 1.3 million. And prematurity, 1.2 million. Polio, zero.
2: So nobody's died of polio.
1: That's according That's to the World of, Health Organization. Yeah,
0: right.
1: and this, uh, Is this an epidemic of global proportions? Is this justification for authorities to roam the streets of Pakistan and force people by gunpoint to receive the vaccine and throw hundreds of parents into jail if they don't comply? The measles epidemic in the United States pales by comparison in terms of absurdity and such fear tactics to justify forced vaccinations. One must ask who is actually profiting from The
0: pharmaceutical company? UNICEF,
1: which partners with uh, with WHO, uh, WHO, for global vaccine purchases and distribution, is one of the largest purchasers of vaccines for world distribution. In 2013, for example, they purchased 1.7 billion doses of the live oral uh, polio vaccine to administer to children under the age of 5.
0: We don't even
1: use that anymore. No, I know. The oral polio vaccine is banned. In Western hmm. countries, due to dangerous side effects, Christ, you know, they're banned in Western countries, and yet they, they're giving they, it to people in the it, world. Forcing it, forcing it on, and, back and there's down.
0: a picture of Bill Gates forcing it down somebody's mouth. Some, yeah,
1: oral vaccine yeah, given by Bill Gates in India. What? Uh, yeah, there's that eugenicist right there. Mm-hmm. Ah, the oral, the oral, the oral polio vaccine is so dangerous. It is no longer used in developed countries like the U.S., but it is mandated, purchased, and distributed in poor countries. The real tragedy with the live oral polio vaccine is that they can cause the very thing they are supposed to be preventing—polio. Both vaccine-associated paralytic uh, poliomyelitis is the name of the thing, polio, and non-polio acute flaccid paralysis are known side effects of the live oral polio vaccine. <laughs> it sheds the virus from the vaccine through feces and into the sewers and sanitation systems. Okay, uh, India recently achieved its polio-free status, but at the cost of tens of thousands of non-polio acute flaccid paralysis cases each year. Oh, my God. Polio vaccine caused 53,000 paralysis victims in India last year. Can you imagine that? I guess. Doctors and researchers who understand the dangers and risks of the oral polio vaccine have been calling for an end to this terrible vaccine for years now. And an editorial appeared in the Oxford Journal Clinical Infectious Disease Periodical in 2005 titled, When Can We Stop Using Oral Oral Polio Virus Vaccine? right. And uh, so this stuff is really bad. Uh, and, and it's killing people, it's causing paralysis. I mean,
0: it, <laughs> Who are the vaccine dissenters in Pakistan? The pro-pharma Western media in places like the U.S. like to paint vaccine dissenters in places like Pakistan as ignorant poor people who need to be forced into a vaccination program against their will for the greater good of society. However, is this actually true? Just as in the case in the U.S., researchers and health professionals are not unified in their views on vaccination policies. Karim Khan is a freelance journalist in Pakistan who has written about the sentiment towards Western pharmaceutical companies and the World Health Organization in regard to mass vaccination programs. Writing in the Express Free Tribune last year, one of Pakistan's leading English-language publications, he wrote, Is it the ignorance regarding both disease and the science of the medicine that worries critical thinkers? Yes. But more so it is the lack of freedom of questioning in a country that has effectively given itself to a form of slavery by so-called non-profit international organizations that earn millions from vaccination campaigns. The recent imposition of travel restrictions on Palestinians. Pakistanians as recommended by the World Health Organization, are more than proof of such slavery. Worse, though, is the one-sided media reporting that uses language as a tool to shape voice of dissent as propaganda by running headlines with terms like anti-polio campaigns when the questions raised are in fact directed at the safety of the vaccine, claimed to be effective against polio. The important question is, are parents made aware of the risk significantly early to let them make an informed decision on vaccinating their child? No, probably not. What is the future of mandatory vaccinations in the U.S.? Could we see armed officials roaming the streets of cities in the U.S. forcing children to be vaccinated against the wishes of their parents at gunpoint? The rationale and the legal framework for such actions is actually already in place to do just that. As we reported last month, the Department of Homeland Security is quietly stockpiling billions of dollars worth of experimental vaccines to presumably use in the case of a national emergency. The U.S. government has broad powers granted to them to force people to receive these vaccines by declaring an epidemic or national emergency. All across the U.S., local state legislators and health officials are moving to take away the right to informed consent regarding vaccines for children. If Americans don't wake up soon, whether you are pro vaccine or anti vaccine, and stop this rush to take away individual rights and liberties, it may not be long before the photo you see at the top of this story represents what's happening in the streets of America, with thousands of parents being arrested and thrown into jail for refusing to comply. With the mass vaccination program, the national
1: vaccine Information Center has an advocacy portal to help you keep updated on proposed legislation in your state attempting to take away your freedom to choose medical procedures like vaccines. You can sign up for- alerts from the n v i c advocacy portal for your state okay that's the national vaccine information center uh advocacy portal okay mm. and uh vaccineimpact.com, all right, um, saying no to vaccines, a resource guide for all ages, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, okay, the Vaccine Court, uh, the Truth of America's Vaccine um, Compensation, uh Dark Truth of America's Vaccine Injury Compensation Program, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. There's no one, there, there is none. Okay. You're not you, can't, the you can't, you can not allowed, that's product. right. For, for a vaccine now here's something that was really interesting it was medical marijuana the future of breast cancer therapy isn't that interesting Yeah, yeah. And they found that uh, it's working see finally now that they've legalized it in some states they're able to experiment,
0: experiment with, it. with it find yeah. out what it can yeah. do to help people
1: yep. Mar- medical marijuana the future of breast cancer therapy many women are diagnosed with breast cancer and this deadly disease also affects their families it is the most common malignant disease in Western women, and statistics yeah. say it represents 22.9% of all cancer cases in women throughout the world. In 2008, breast cancer caused over 450,000 deaths in the world. Cannabinoids and cancer. The healing properties of marijuana were first documented over a 1,000 years ago, but the therapeutic effects of cannabinoids and cancer therapies was recently discovered.
3: Yeah.
1: Uh, Cannabinoids are medical compounds found in marijuana since the late 1990s until now. Many preclinical studies have proven the anti-tumor effect of cannabinoids in the treatment of different types of cancer.
0: Studies have shown that cannabinoid receptors are overexpressed in tumor cells of some cancer types, including liver, lung, prostate, and breast cancer. Researchers believe that the endocannabinoid cannabinoid system can be regulated in an innate biological effort to stop the disease. These studies have also shown that when cannabinoids bind to these receptors, they inhibit cancer growth by preventing the proliferation of cancer cells and inducing apoptosis or cancer cell death. Cannabinoids can impair both tumors of angiogenesis or the increase in localized blood flow induced by cancer cells and the metastasis or the spreading of cancer to the other organs and tissues. Medical findings regarding breast cancer have progressed lately, but certain breast tumors are still resistant to the conventional treatment. Breast cancer comprises of tumors that differ in their molecular profiles, and medical experts categorize them, categorize them in three main types. Resources suggest that synthetic cannabinoids and phytocannabinoids, mostly THC and can be efficient in the treatment of breast cancer subtypes and the strongest evidence of their therapeutic potential points to the treatment of HER2 positive and triple negative breast tumor types. The healing
1: power of cannabinoids is especially important for patients diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer because there is no conventional therapy for such patients and the prognosis of these patients is still poor. In addition to the anti-cancer properties, studies have shown have also shown that cannabinoids are much safer and less toxic than conventional treatments. <coughs> me. Cannabinoids do not affect normal cells, and patients can tolerate them. They only cause mild side effects like dizziness and fatigue. This compound offers the hope of a non-toxic therapy that could achieve the same results without any of the painful side effects. In 2007, and seven Dr John
0: McGowan and his team of researchers were some of the Sorry, first yeah. experts to discover CBDs, anti-cancer properties can be effectively used in the treatment of breast
1: cancer. Uh, so, as research shows, the cannabinoids provide a, a wide range of benefits in cancer treatment. It so
4: includes,
1: that's good. Including the prevention of vomiting and nausea that appear as a result of the chemotherapy and treatments that reduce cancer-associated pain uh when combined with regular cancer treatments cannabinoids can induce a synthet- syn- synergistic effect against cancer cells and this also suggests that by combining conventional cannabinoid treatments you get more powerful results than the application of each treatment alone that's
0: great so
1: there's a, there's more to this there's but if some you want, hope there yeah it really is and if you want to go to this article please do go to healthy food house all right uh medical marijuana Future breast cancer therapy. Medical Food House. Huh. Okay. And Oh, this was really interesting, too. You, are, you, are your kids uh, drinking energy drinks and you think they may have ADHD? Well, guess what? It may cause it. Let's see if I can get in there. Energy drinks cause ADHD for children.
0: Posted by Natural News. That little thing where it says Natural News, go to up here. Where it says source Natural
1: News, click on that. I don't know why it doesn't just come up. -hmm. Click on that. Oh, there it is. Yeah, there it is. Okay. It's odd how scientific studies have come to corroborate uh, what is seen and known by many yet long-term comprehensive dots are not connected in the overall scheme of things in the scientific community. The studies don't lead to any remedial action from the FDA, such as curbing sugar content and high-sugar energy drinks. A recent Yale School of Public Health study focused on high-sugar content beverages, both caffeinated and non-caffeinated. It's pretty much concluded that middle school kids who consume high-sugar beverages Often, were at greater risk of, more prone to becoming adult with attention disorders and hyperactivity. The, the Yale student study uh, surveyed 1,649 middle school students, average age 12.4 years, randomly selected from a single urban school district in Connecticut.
0: How about that? Yeah, Harvard epidem- uh Epidemiology Epidemiology. Yeah, professor, professor Janet Ekovic, director yeah. of care, the search determined that boys drank more highly sugar sweetened beverages and especially energy drinks than girls. Some of the flavored beverages among the study participants contained as much as 40 grams of sugar. The average intake was two sodas or energy drinks daily, so up to 80 grams
2: of, of sugar
0: per day would not be unusual. The study did not differentiate between sucrose or or high-fructose corn syrup. They lumped all the sugars together. But it has been discovered that high-fructose corn syrup has even worse health ramifications than sucrose. Nevertheless, the association to ADD and HDD was in proportion to the amounts of added sugar of any type. Other beverages
1: and as the total number of sugar-sweetened beverages increased, so too did risk of hyperactivity and and inattention symptoms uh, among our middle school students. Importantly, it appears that energy drinks are driving this association, she uh, said Ecovix. She added, our results uh, support the American Academy of Pediatrics recommendation, that parents should limit consumption of sweetened beverages and that the children should not consume any energy drinks. All of this has been known for decades, yet it's all still out there with dangerous pharmaceutical remedies. Other other studies have discovered high amounts of added sugar, whether sucrose or fructose, as more of a major contributor toward obesity and heart disease than the bogus saturated fat theory, which created the no and low-fat uh, processed food high in sugars and refined carbohydrates for around half a century.
0: Yet there are still those who hold to that superstition, enduring the fact that since so many have been consuming less fat for so many years, heart disease, obesity, and non-alcoholic fatty liver disease have become epidemic. What's different is the amount of sugar consumption since 1950 has increased fivefold. A 2014 American Diabetes Association study Larger than the middle school study and inclusive of all ages stated, about 75% of all foods and beverages contain added sugar in a large array of forms, including high fructose corn syrup. Consumption of soft drinks has increased five-fold since 1950. Meta-analysis suggests, that consumption of sugar-sweetened beverages is related to the risk of diabetes and cardiovascular disease. In 2013, a 20-city analysis of 3,000 5-year-old children revealed that 43% consumed at least one soda a day. Increased consumption was associated with increased aggression, social withdrawal, attention deficit disorder, and other conditions. Instead of in regulating dietary added sugar, the solution for those ADD and ADHD kids is amphetamine-type drugs like Ritalin, with disastrous results.
1: In 2006, Health Ranger Mike Adam declared it is beyond shameful that doctors and parents are giving these amphetamine drugs to preschoolers. These children don't need drugs; they need nutritional support and the elimination of toxic chemicals from their foods. Um, it, is, it I, I find it astounding that our public schools, which claim to be drug-free zones, and teachers and school administrators have become drug pushers who urge patients to put their children on psychotropic drugs that would be called speed on the street, Adams uh, added. Yet all these substances, added sugar and, and high fructose corn syrup in processed foods and beverages, are not only still on the market, They're highly advertised with psychologically appealing visuals. Close behind are the psychotropic drugs for kids, even under the age of five, to correct behavioral imbalances while ignoring dietary remedies. The FDA protects large pharmaceuticals and food processing industries, not you or your kids. So it's about the time parents took charge and led by example. And you can get this at Natural News. That's a great, that's a great argument. It's a great site, huh? Mhm. Uh. How
0: about here's the ugly truth oh, about blood pressure medication. Here's something
1: interesting too. If you, uh, what, 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 was that?
0: Number Number one lie about blood pressure med-
1: medication. That's it. the num- it's right at the
0: top there. Oh, number one lie. Oh no, that's that's an advertisement. Mm-hmm.
1: This okay. thing here, um, this one, extreme trauma from male circumcision causes. Damage to areas of the brain. Mm-hmm.
0: When hey. inflicted on uh, females, uh, the civilized world calls it, calls it genital mutilation and child abuse. But for males, the medical procedure known as circumcision is still widely performed and accepted, at least in the U.S., even though science shows that sniffing a newborn child's foreskin can cause permanent brain damage, particularly in the brain associated with reasoning, perception, and emotions. A team of nurses approached Dr. Paul Tenari, Ph.D. of Kingston General Hospital in Ontario, Canada, to make him aware of something which they had been observing for quite some time. Many of the newborn boys circumcised at hospital were exhibiting excruciating levels of pain so severe, the nurse reported that the behavior of these children seemed to be changing in tangible and possibly permanent ways. In order to verify these claims, Dr. Canari suggested that the brains of circumcised boys be analyzed both before and after the procedure using functional magnetic renaissance, MRIs, and positron emission topography, PET scans, to look for changes. Using one of the nurse's sons as a test subject, her husband was insistent upon circumcision against her better judgment. The team evaluated the boy both before and after. The child was initially kept inside the machine for several minutes to generate baseline data on its normal metabolic brain activity. This data was used to perform a comparative analysis after the circumcision procedure. The research team noticed significant trauma in conjunction with the foreskin removal process with the most pronounced brain changes occurring in the in the limbic system which includes the amygdala and frontal and temporal lobes
1: after presenting these results to a neurologist it was interpreted that the circumcision process had inflicted extreme trauma on the boy so much so that his entire sense of reasoning uh, perception and emotions were thrown off kilter and follow up tests conducted one day one week and one month after surgery, revealed that these changes were permanent. The circumcised boy's brain would likely never return to its normal baseline configuration. Male circumcision is cruel, inhumane, and medically unnecessary. Um, These shocking results run sharply counter to what many conventional doctors in America today still embrace as routine medical practice. The idea that baby boys need to have their penises cut with a knife, in order to be healthy and normal, many medical professions still cling like mildew to a filthy shower curtain to, to this um, outdated uh, and barbaric practice, much like they do to the vaccine myth that perpetrates lies like herd immunity, and your vaccinated children are threatened by unvaccinated children, because it disrupts the status quo. Dr. Tynan's uh, Tanari rather study has yet to be published not because it's inaccurate, but because it doesn't fit the official narrative of sound medicine. Even though virtually every other country on the planet has abandoned male circumcision as a cruel and inhumane practice, the U.S. is still on board with the sham, though an increasing number of parents are refusing circumcision for their baby boys.
0: Our problems again when we attempted to publish our findings in the open medical literature. Stated to Dr. Tanari, the current director of the Pacific Institute for Advanced Study, I would encourage anyone with access to an MRI or PET scanning machine to repeat our research as described, confirm our results, and publish the results in the open literature. Yeah.
1: So don't circumcise mm-hmm. your boys, please. Yeah, doesn't
0: make any sense. And apparently yeah, nobody yeah, else yeah. does it. We like being cruel and inhumane.
1: Well, yeah, I mean we're we're kind of stupid people that way, you know. Yeah, I was gonna say that one for tomorrow night. Okay. But,
0: yeah.
1: yeah. Um, this is really really interesting. <laughs> U.S. U.S. Israeli military advisors arrested in Iraq, accused of aiding ISIS.
0: That's a oh, I knew we yeah. founded them. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Okay. Uh, well, but I assumed they
1: were on our own after we created it. No, no, now they're we're no. I, there's something. There's another article I'll I'll show you tonight. Uh, read tonight that uh, they're getting 70% of the weaponry being supplied by us to ISIS. That's right. It's all it's all American made, all right? Oh, so, that's crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're at war with these guys. We're feeding them the world. It's ridiculous. It has been reported that American and Israeli military advisors have been arrested while aiding Islamic State terrorists in Iraq, ISIS. Uh, Iraqi counterterrorism forces arrested four foreigners who were employed as military advisors to ISIL fighters, Iraqi sources said. According to Iraq's Selma News Agency, three of the arrested advisors had American and Israeli passports, and the fourth was a national from a Persian Gulf Arab state. All right. Probably Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Uh, yeah, probably. Tasnim News reports that foreign advisors have been captured in headquarters responsible for the control of ISIS operations. Okay. The report also added that a number of ISIL fighters have been killed in the operation, codenamed the Scorpion Sting. Okay. The detained foreign advisors have been transferred to a security center in the capital, Baghdad. <laughs>
0: uh Mm-hmm. What do you think of that? Is Isn't that sick? It is sick. It's really
1: sick. That's from Newswire.com, Yeah. Newswire.com. Really sick. Really, really, oh. really, really sick. Mhm. Oh. All right. So anyway, I love this one. Is it? A, yeah. Like and share. If you are a member of ARP, of course, A A R P. That means you're, you know, armed Americans ready and prepared. And you get an old lady behind a machine gun. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: that's from nationalgunrights.org. Yeah. You
1: could be an art member. Anyway. Yeah. This this was kind of lengthy. Uh, what is uh, that?
4: Well,
1: it says one out of every four activists could be a corporate spy. Mm. Isn't that
0: interesting? Yeah, an exclusive interview with
1: uh, an investigative journalist, in The
0: Guardian. Maybe we could play a little bit of it. It might be interesting. And then maybe people, if they get a taste, will go to it. Yeah. Uh-huh.
1: Now, this is the one I wanted to mention though. 75% of ISIS weapons come from the United States. We could defeat ISIS with a weapons embargo, but you can't make any money on an embargo. Sure. Good point. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Uh, anyway, want? Yeah. Maybe we could. I I could play a little of this. I'm not sure.
0: Okay.
1: Um, uh, I can't remember for how long it was. I think it was about 12 minutes. Because that's yeah, it was 12 minutes. I'm gonna see if I can get it. Uh,
4: Activists all around the world. Considering that we live in a corporatocracy, it's not too much of a leap to assume that corporations are conducting their own surveillance on activist communities. See, a new report by the Center for Corporate Policy has not only confirmed this, but has exposed just how far reaching corporate infiltration of activist groups really is. The report also outlines the private public partnership form between intelligence agencies and state governments to provide the legal protection for corporate CEOs to carry out espionage while subverting the democratic process. Amazingly, according to this report, as many as one in four activists could be a corporate spy. And what these spies do once they get on the inside is unconscionable. Dirty tricks include hacking, tapping, blackmail, and even the undermining of legitimate research and science on behalf of their corporate paymasters. Nafiz Ahmed, author of The Crisis on Civilization and Investigative Journalist for The Guardian, wrote about the recent report in an article titled The War on Democracy. He joined me earlier to break down the report and how corporate espionage ties into the potentially cataclysmic environmental crises we face today. I first asked him to explain a
2: program called InfraGuard. Well, this is really interesting because InfraGard is this partnership between the FBI, um, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security, and um, a whole range of, a very large network of private companies. Um, many of them are basically Fortune five hundred companies. And it's something like I mean the, the figure in the report was twenty three thousand but actually it's um, that's an old figure. It's 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 more it's approaching thirty thousand. we you've got thirty thousand or just under thirty thousand of very, very large corporations in partnership with the FBI. And this partnership basically involves them basically feeding information into the FBI, guiding them on what they want the FBI to basically um, get involved in, in terms of espionage, in terms of intelligence activity. So it's no surprise um, that a range of uh, various leaked documents and other kinds of information that has come out over the last year or so shows that the FBI has been systematically spying and, and systematically helping corporate entities to spy on um, you know, these civil society groups, so, you know, the o- Occupy Wall Street activists have, uh, were spied on. Um, organizations like Greenpeace have been spied on. Um, and the pretext, unfortunately, has been um, terrorism. They've actually used um, the specter of terrorism to justify some of these operations. But there was a, an investigation by um, the Office of Inspector General in the U.S. Department of Justice which looked into some of the FBI's practices over about a five-year period. Um, in relation to these organizations, and they found out that actually there was no justification uh, that would in, in any way resemble um, terrorism. There was no threat of violence. There was no criminal activity. And, in fact, uh, this investigation condemned the FBI and said that they really should not have actually opened these investigations or continued these investigations. Well, speaking.
4: Speaking of justification, how is, uh, how is this legal and what justification is the U.S. government using to share classified materials with these giant corporations? And furthermore, what is this kind of partnership doing to the democratic process?
2: Well, you know, this is the thing. The, you know, for the legal justification, we hear the same old mantras, you know, of national security. Everything can be justified under national security. Uh, but as, you know, we've kind of become, come to realize that nauseum now Um, this justification is no justification at all. In fact, what we see is that very, very um, fundamental human rights and civil liberties, fundamental laws of the U.S. Constitution are being systematically violated in the name of national security. But what we're seeing with this kind of corporate espionage is actually national security is not at stake. It's not not the public interest that is being protected here. It's the the very narrow vested interests of a large number of um, very powerful uh, corporate entities um, which are increasingly encroaching, it seems, on, on the authority of the state and interfering with that. I mean, we've got to the point where CIA, active CIA officers, can actually moonlight and, and sell their services to a corporation. And if you look at the existing mechanisms of accountability to inspect you know, what is the transparency, what is the accountability for this process? There, there really isn't any any oversight, actually. So effectively, you've got this situation where hedge funds, banks, corporations huh. can hire these guys, you know, and, and, and basically um, get them to do what they want. It's truly
4: astounding, to say the least. Not least. I mean, I don't know why I'm surprised. It just keeps getting worse
2: and worse. Yeah,
4: I'm sure corporate CEOs aren't inherently evil. I'm sure in their own minds that they're doing the right thing. Not these, how do we get CEOs to see the tangible effects of their policies? Well, I
2: think one of the issues is that when you
4: have
1: okay, um, I'm just gonna it, it, it goes on for about ten more minutes. So I don't want to uh, you know forget about it. Uh, it's it, it's it's obvious. You know, it's obvious what's hmm. happened happening
0: But if people there. would like to listen to that... Yeah, you
1: can go to... Unfortunately, it, 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 it's on YouTube, and uh, let's see, it's on YouTube, and it is, let's see, what is it? One out of every four activists could be a corporate spy on uh, Russian TV on uh, YouTube. Okay. So, um, but you can get it there. You can go to that. Um... This is uh, yeah. This is something I wanted to mention too. Uh, the Senate bill would effectively, um, <laughs> Effectively end the federal war on medical, medical marijuana. I
0: hope
1: they do that. Yeah, it's on sort of step in the right
0: direction. It was a bill that was introduced Tuesday to significantly roll back the federal government's law on medical marijuana. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. It's reclassifying marijuana as a less dangerous substance and keep completely descheduling low THC strains of marijuana. Yeah, there's CBT,
1: which is what they use for
0: Banks, hey, look at that. Banks could... Work with medical marijuana businesses so they can open up avenues for research on the plant and get some access for veterans who need it. And stop the war on drugs. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And uh, hey, it's a plant, folks. It's not made in a lab. No. Yeah.
4: Not all of
3: us can fly. Not all of us can be legends. But all of us can lie. I hate that they got
1: to put ads on all this
3: stuff. You're watching HuffPost Live. I'm Ricky Camilleri. The war on medical marijuana is easing up a bit. Earlier today, Senators Cory Booker, Kirsten Gillibrand, and Rand Paul introduced a Senate bill aimed at rolling back the federal ban on medical. The bill
5: that we are introducing seeks to right decades of wrong and end unnecessary marijuana laws. Uh, currently, right now, our veterans are prohibited from getting the medical treatment they so desperately need to relieve their pain and suffering. Parents aren't able to get the medical treatment their children need to relieve their pain and suffering. High-trained officials in our country, doctors and scientists, medical personnel, are unable to prescribe and recommend drugs that could alleviate uh, the pain and suffering of their patients. Uh, Today we join together to say enough is enough. Enough is enough. So I guess the big question is,
3: is this going to stick? Turning me now, we have HuffPost national reporter Matt Ferner, Aaron Smith, executive director of the National Cannabis Industry Association, Chris Crane, a board member with the marijuana majority and an advisor with Medical Marijuana Dispensaries, and Mason Tybert uh, of the Marijuana Policy Project. Guys, thanks so much for joining me. Hello. Hi. Hey,
5: thanks for having
3: us. Matt, I want to start with you. Uh this is a first for the Senate. So break down for us what this bill uh
5: would actually do. Well, what doesn't it do? Uh, I mean it's extremely comprehensive. Um it does six things uh mainly uh and they're all very important things um probably the most important is it allows states to set their own marijuana policies uh, without federal interference and allows uh patients and doctors and businesses in those states uh to uh participate in those programs without fear of uh, federal prosecution uh the second big one is the is the it seeks to uh reclassify marijuana uh from uh schedule one where it is currently and has been for decades. Uh, to uh, Schedule two, um, which uh, is important for a number of reasons, uh, which maybe the other guys can get into. Um, three, uh, it allows, it, it, it removes uh, certain low-THD, high-CBD, uh, CBD is a, a, a compound found in marijuana that is not psychoactive but has medical value. Um, it removes these strains from the, the, the uh, Controlled Substances Act altogether and allows for import uh, of those CBD strains into uh, 12 states that have laws that are very limited. But do allow for patients to use these uh, CBD strains. Uh, fourth, it, uh, it lifts a ban uh, that's currently in effect for uh, Veterans Affairs physicians uh, to uh, recommend medical marijuana to patients, to, vet- to their veteran patients who live in states uh, with medical marijuana laws. Uh, five, uh, it allows uh, banks to finally work with uh, medical marijuana uh, businesses. Uh, it, it can be a largely cash only uh, industry because uh, of the federal regulation of banks, so it's a big deal. Uh, and six, um, it, uh, by removing uh, a, a, fed, a couple of federal barriers, it, it will expand uh, or likely to expand research into marijuana uh, pretty significantly.
3: Now, hearing all of these things that it lists, all of these new provisions that come with this bill, one would get the impression that if you are in a state where medical marijuana is legal, it's still incredibly difficult to, to get it. How often is, is that true, uh, Chris? uh well it's not it's not necessarily
5: difficult to uh it's not necessarily difficult to obtain medical marijuana in most of these states where it's legal the difficulties really lie in uh operators who are trying to run a business in full compliance with state regulations uh okay.
1: well anyway you get the idea and you can go you can get that at um that's good and um let's
0: come right to the end yeah, of our show to the end of our
1: show. I want to thank everybody who joined us, and please join us tomorrow night when we uh, do Union News.
0: Sorry, we've got Union
1: Night tomorrow night.
0: So good night, so, folks. Uh, Enjoy the rest of your night. Yeah. And uh, we'll play some music for you to go on the way out. And thanks for joining us. Good night. <laughs>